0: Blog Talk Radio.
1: Welcome to Kansas Talk Wednesdays, Vinnie Hardy and Terry T. Brown. we got a great show on tap for y'all tonight. T.B., man, how you doing, Russ? I'm
2: doing very good. How you doing tonight, Vinny?
1: Doing great, doing great. And we are set to just jump right into things of plan. We have a guest on with us tonight, uh, former Wildcat Warren Bryant. Former Wildcat O'Lyman is going to be on, also spent some time in the NFL. He's going to be on the show with us, and we are looking forward to talking with
2: Mr. Bryant. Definitely, definitely. A lot of ground to cover, exciting uh, championship game uh, between Villanova and North Carolina. Uh, A lot of news, uh, cats moving on. So a lot of ground to cover today.
1: That's it. Uh, eight four five two seven seven nine three seven three is the number. So give us a call at Cat Talk Wednesday on Twitter and Facebook. And we're going to be looking to get Mr. Bright on right here, right up the bat. we to so jump right in with some guests immediately. Uh, Terry and I are going to have dueling, hoarse voices, dueling frogs in our throats, uh, whether weather-related allergies or cold or some kind of combination of all of it. Um, I remember doing the show last year and both my boys were laughing at me because I was hoarse, squeaking and trying to talk through it. So, um, you know, just be one of those funny, weird-sounding kind of nights.
2: Not saying that I don't sound weird when I sound normal, but
1: anyway. And then it add, add to the fact that we're both hoarse. so then, you know, it just makes it that much more fun. But we'll push through, and um, we'll try to get Mr. Bryant on to talk with him. If you remember, a few months ago, we had Sonny Collins and Derek Ramsey on. Mr. Bryant is from that era, played for the Cats um, in the mid-70s, went to the NFL in 1977. We got a lot to talk to him about. It's going to be a lot of fun I'll talk to him a little bit, uh, leading up to him coming on. He's a fun Got to talk with. him. We'll try. Effort him if possible, and bring him on with us um, let's see here, yeah, but we'll in the meantime, like you said, there's a lot of a lot of Kentucky news going um the point God, as we like to say, made a special announcement today um
0: and of course, we all what that was gonna be
1: uh, um, how you was made the move. Oh, um, mm-hmm. um, that that was big news Just um, mm-hmm. gal going yesterday which
0: mm-hmm. is
3: the
1: best move for <laughs> him um, mm-hmm. so a lot of things that are happening uh, as far as Big Blue Nation is concerned so we're efforting Warren Bryant see if we can get him on with us um, not we'll reschedule but hopefully we'll be able to pull that off um there's also news as far as the Hall of Fame. The Hall of Fame is going to the NBA, uh, basketball Hall of Fame. So that's making news as well. MLB talked about that as well. It's just getting started. Um, but everybody across the nation, of course, has a soft spot in their heart for Tyler U.S. I you go, but with the year he had, there's no way that he could stay, you know, uh, like he said in his press conference today, he's always going to be 5'9". That's been the case all season long. And when you have the year he has and you see where he's projected in these drafts, um, mock drafts and things of that nature, you got to go ahead and make the move. Um, he was like a coach on the floor, uh, wisely on his years, the leadership, all the intangibles uh who's counted the best football general he's ever had. And I mean how can you argue that? You gotta uh, wish with Tyler well going into the league. He mentioned Isaiah Thomas and, and other small guys who are doing good and making all star team. Uh, and how he, that's inspiring to him. He had set those goals for himself as a youngster already. Um and he's been able to Uh, see some of these dreams come true as far as him going to college, being All-American, at a big-time program. The next step now is going to the NBA. So um, let's see what happens uh, with Ty Lewis and uh, wish him well as he uh, is able to enter the NBA draft. Let's take a quick early break, see if we can get Mr. Warren Bryant on the show, former U.K. offensive lineman, NFL offensive lineman, listen to Cast Talk Wednesday on Vinnie Hardy and Terry Brown on the Brown and Hardy Radio Network dot com. We take a quick break. We can give Mr. Bryant if not, we'll move on to other things but hopefully that'll work out for us. Stay right with us. We'll be back in a couple minutes. Mm-hmm.
0: We'll
2: Wednesday, this is Terry Brown along with Vinnie Hardy. We are still working on getting our guest online. You can reach us at 845 277 9373 or Cats Talk Wednesday. On Twitter, Katz Talk Wed. you can reach Vinny at Vinny Hardy uh, on Twitter, and you can reach me at brown underscore 80 at Twitter. And I do apologize for a little bit of technical difficulties, but uh, with college basketball season ending on such a great, a uh, note fantastic game between North Carolina and Villanova tip your hats to Villanova capturing their program's second NCAA championship uh, in dramatic fashion with a last second buzzer beating shot the the a couple of things about the game uh, both teams showed a lot of heart down the stretch I personally thought once Villanova had got out to, I think it was like an eight-point lead with a minute or so left, I thought North Carolina was done for, but they were able to fight back. Very, very impressive. But and Mark's story of the Lexington Herald leader had a great story uh, about this, talking about the Marcus Page shot before the shot and the degree of difficulty and, and everything in that shot. But that since it was wasn't the one that won the game, how it's gonna be kind of forgetting or forgotten, excuse me, forgotten, uh, to time. Very similar to the Sean Wood shot against uh Duke in nineteen ninety two. For my money, that shot it was a Uh, had a higher degree of difficulty, the little one-handed running, one-handed kind of floater in the lane, uh, but because Leitner hit the now iconic shot, a lot of people, especially those outside of Big Blue Nation, a lot of those people have forgotten uh, about the Sean Wood shot. And another uh, instance that Mark Story had pointed out that I had almost forgotten about myself was Anthony Epps hitting a three in regulation in 1997 a championship game against Arizona. Very similar to the Marcus Page shot where he had to, he jumped to shoot, defender came flying, had to recock his double clutch it a little bit, and finally get the ball to, to go through. Unfortunately, those winning shots especially championship shots, those are the ones that get remembered, not so much the ones uh, before that. But an absolutely fantastic uh, NCAA tournament, which it always is. It always, to me, ends better if Kentucky wins it, but uh, a very good tournament. I uh, saw some miraculous comebacks. I uh, saw some buzzer beaters prior to the a championship game and even though uh final four Saturday was kind of a dud with Villanova pointed on Oklahoma and with uh North Carolina taking care of Syracuse, the championship game uh more than made up for
1: it. And Marcus and, Page, I'm back now T V uh Marcus Page in the final minute Monday night did everything he could to complete the comeback. Carolina got down 10, I think 67-57. But talk about the the, the double-clutch three that Page hit, which was just ridiculous. He had to kick one leg and force himself to hang in the air because his defender fell down. But yet, you know, a couple other Villanova guys ran over there to contest.
0: Yeah.
1: And it looked like, I mean, I just assumed he was going to miss that. And, you know, Bill Miller's going to get some rebound and run out the clock. That would be
3: it. He hit
1: fast tight. The three he hit from the corner before that where he was pretty much behind the backboard. He was as far in the corner as you could be without being out, going out of bounds. I feel like the only thing on the right side, on the you know, the proper side of the backboard was his left arm on the release. Everything else was kind of behind the backboard. From a tough angle, he drained that. For eight points in that final minute, when to complete the rally to get it to what everybody thought was going to be overtime, until Chris Jenkins, uh, you know, nails him with the dagger down the other way, because as bad as I kind of hate to agree, I think Cage and everybody felt North Carolina would have controlled things in overtime, you know, had it got to that point.
2: Yeah, so often, uh, you see, it's, it's all about how you get to overtime. If you're the team that kind of forces it, you have that momentum, but if you kind of back into overtime, you know, we see that. Uh, particularly this year, Kentucky and Kansas, even though that game went into overtime, you know, we kind of backed in, uh, but Kansas kind of forced the issue, and they kind of had that momentum to carry them through. But just a fantastic uh, championship game, Definitely what you want to see, uh, especially if your team's not playing.
1: Hey, I got I got Mr. Bryant called me back, so let me step away and take his call and see if I can patch him in, Jerry.
2: But also, uh, with Tyler Eulis bidding farewell today, Scal yesterday, uh Jamal Murray on, on Friday, um, It's that not-so-fun time of the year where we have to say goodbye early to players that played well. Number one, Tyler Euless, in my opinion, had earned the right to – to me, he's going to go down as one or 1A of best point guards ever uh, in Lexington. Uh, And Jamal Murray, who who put in one of the best freshman seasons ever – and Scal, I know a lot of people are saying, you know, good riddance and, and, and that kind of thing. But uh, when you look at his backstory, I want that young man to succeed, and I really think he will. Uh, so it's hard to kind of begrudge those guys an opportunity to move on, especially when you see uh, just how much Kentucky means to them. And. Uh, you know, how much they want to take their talents uh, to the next level. Next T V. I I am.
1: All right. Looks like Mr. Brad got held up a little bit at work, so uh, he's going to call in in just a few minutes. So we'll be having him on the show. As of fact, he's calling right now. So we'll have our guests on. Right this second, a former U.K. offensive lineman, went on to play for the Atlanta Falcons and L.A. Raiders. We are proud to be joined by Mr. Warren Bryant. Talk Wednesday with Vinny Hardy and Jay Brown. Mr. Bryant, so glad you could hop on the show with us, man. How are you? It's my,
4: it's my pleasure. I, uh, I'm sorry, I missed your call at first, I was just getting on with these kids. Yeah, I took them to a little college tour. And then I got in the car. And I started listening to old school Michael Jackson. And then I realized it was six o'clock. So I said I need to I'll make sure I, I can turn this music down. So, but yeah, I'm here with you, buddy.
1: <laughs> hey, old school Michael, man, you can't go wrong with that. Now,
4: I tell you, them kids don't know what they're missing today. <laughs> <laughs>
1: which which song was which song was playing? Which what did you have playing?
4: Oh, oh this was a hard Break Hotel. Oh. Yeah, that was when, when I was in school. I, when I was up there in Kentucky, and uh, it was an opera hotel, man. It was a little guitar, please, please, they play on there. And I just keep running that back and playing, and I love it. I love it. <laughs>
1: well, we are happy that you that you joined the show. Um, Sunny Collins, you know, told me to give you a call that you want to come on and uh, I've been enjoying talking with you the past two or three days, getting it all set up for you to come on. Um, but, And you were talking about what it was like at Kentucky with him. So it, it's been cool getting to talk to both of
4: you guys. Oh, oh yeah. a lot of
1: fun. Oh,
4: oh yeah. I uh, remember when I first went up to Kentucky and I met Sonny. <laughs> it was so it was funny, man. He, you know, he, he kind of talked fast and he had this big old afro on his head. And uh, he really the main reason why I went to that school. You know, I, I love the school and everything, and it's a family up there. I know Tom and Ellen McKenna I met, were so very kind to me to take me up under their wing as a part of their family. And uh, But when I met Sonny and I saw a film on him and I saw how he was running, I said, wow, this going to make my job easier. Because back in high in, <laughs> school... You know, I, my offense was, you know, we knock folk out, and we just run them over, and, you know, the backs wasn't as quick and swift as Sunny. When I saw that, man, I said, man, I would get off the, off the field in two or three plays, you know, with the way he was running. He was a, he was a great person, great personality, and, a, and one of the best running backs I've seen. You know, because he was up, I know his last year, really up for the Heisman Trophy. And and, and I think yeah. he got hurt that year, so we didn't, we didn't get a chance to get that, but, an outstanding person, and a running back. Really love that guy. We we talk all the time. You know, he's down here in Atlanta with me also.
1: Was he uh he was pretty much an every down back. They, they didn't sub him out on third down or anything, did they?
4: Oh, absolutely not. Absolutely not. He, no, every day – I mean, every down, you know, I mean, because he would actually break ones. I mean, I haven't – I mean, so – he would – I know a couple of times he hurt his ankle because when they say he would stop on a dime, that man could stop on a dime and he would break their ankles. And it was just unbelievable how quick and swift he was. And they couldn't do nothing with him. I mean, he had to be on the field if he died running like that, you know. And we were just starting to get, you know, some of the players in, you know, that, that could really help him, you know, get a little farther down the field. So, you know, we, we we were we were building, you know, the kind of offense that would help him up the most. Now,
1: you, I was reading your bio, you're from Miami, from the South Florida area, is that where you're born and raised?
4: Yeah, Miami, Florida, Liberty City. Okay. Yep.
1: okay. Wow, that's, that's that's the heart of Miami right there, isn't it?
4: That's, absolutely. That's where all those boys went to, uh, you know, because I had originally first, uh, uh, first time with Frank Kersey when he was at the University of Miami. And uh, oh. so I had signed and that's where I planned on going. And then uh 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 he, he he started with Kentucky. Then my parents said, Oh, we got to see what he's gonna say now, you know, when he comes back yet. So he convinced them and you know, you got back in them days you basically did what your parents said, so. and uh, I don't regret it because I really didn't want to go to Miami. I was ready to get out of there, you know, go someplace <laughs> different, you know. And because I, I've been there, and I, I, I think I made a good name there at my school. And, uh, we you know, it was time to go and do something else. And I really wanted to leave town, you know, and be on my own. And uh, so when he went to Kentucky, I I was right there with him. I, I loved it. He was a great coach, a great motivator, and he knows how to recruit talent. And to me, he is one of the best coaches, football coaches, that I guess you could say besides Bill Bryant, to go to Kentucky because nobody has done anything else better than what he's done since he's been in the SEC championship since we left. And the team after I left was 10-1, and and they should have been able to play for the national championship because some guy said something was given to him, which is a lie anyway, because I know the guy, he went to Miami Central in Florida, and uh, he was going to put a lie anyway. But, uh, so I'm, I'm still mad about that because they should have been up there playing for the national championship that year. Right, right.
1: You talked about how you wanted to get out of Miami anyway. Back then, Miami's program isn't what it is now, is it? It wasn't. It wasn't like that back then. For the you was. Oh
4: no, it, it wasn't. It, no, they, no. All the talent, like you know, they, he was saying that when he first supported me, was leaving the state. You know, because nobody wanted to really stay in Miami. And because the facility, we were like a you know, kind of small school back then, and you know facilities wasn't that great. And when I came up to Kentucky, they had just built that, you know, a uh, Commonwealth Stadium, and it was be rebuilding the the, the the locker room, and they was doing all these uh, marvelous things there. So you know, it was, everything was new, you know, brand new, and it was kind of like the best, you know, in the SEC at that time, you know, because uh, they it was improving on everything at the. Uh, over there at, at, at the commonwealth, or no, they built the commonwealth, and, and, and uh, uh, I forgot, Shelby Field, Shelby Sports Field, you know, they redid all of that, so, you know, it was a nice place to go, we had our own dorm rooms, and everything, so yeah, that's that's a, a main reason why I left there also.
1: Right, right. We're talking with Warren Bryant, former UK uh, offensive lineman, uh, went on to play with the Falcons and the Raiders, after leaving Lexington, um, so when you were coming up in Miami, uh, and like you said, Miami wasn't as good, and uh, Florida, Florida State weren't what they are today either. But was high school football in Miami that Everybody wanted to play in Liberty uh, City.
4: Basically football was was it? You know, I mean they they had some good foot. I I can't remember this basketball player that would, we had some basketball and baseball players that go that went and go and play in pros. But I can't remember. I remember Cecil Rose. I remember him because he played in the All-Star game. I played in, in, in Gainesville. And I played in a football game, and he played in basketball. And he was a dude the big dog then, too. And then he went on, and he played in Florida. I know it was a couple of baseball players. But uh, mostly everybody that uh, – once I got into college, I realized how many players were, were coming from school because I was kind of uh, comparing them to, uh, to California and Texas. You know, because they had a lot of boys at that time coming out of California, going to USC and that type of stuff, and going to Texas. So, but yeah, we had a lot of football players go everywhere, everywhere in the country, besides Florida, Florida State, and uh uh uh, uh my University of Miami. All of them, they were they were pretty average. You know, they won maybe eight to ten games a year, but not like what they're doing now.
1: Right
4: now, I saw
1: where you had you listed on the in the program. 6'6", six,
4: six, Did did they try to get you to play a little basketball down there in, in high school too? Yeah, we. I played everything. I I did that to stay out of trouble. I you know to stay <laughs> off streets. Dad told me he said you know you got you got two choices. You can hang with them guys. I, I'm gonna beat you up again. or You can do something else. So I said well <laughs> I know I can't beat my dad. So I'm gonna play some sports. I played football. I play basketball. And I was on the track team, so that's uh, you know that kept me out of trouble, kept me busy. You know, and I'm fortunate enough to you know be uh, you know pretty good, and uh, got some scholarships and uh, went on to school.
1: That's great. That's great.
4: Yeah.
1: Um, and did you? Was there a point where you kind of decided that you had to choose which sport you wanted for college? Did you have to choose football? Oh no, better football. It's like it.
4: No, no, football was just far, far, far and beyond because I had twisted a knee in basketball, and I said no, oh, this I, I'm not that, you know. I am I'm good enough. We 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 had some good years, but and when I thought it wasn't worth it to me to lose my scholarship to in football to, to continue to play basketball, and you know, track track was just something to do to try to get out of spring practice of football, but they wouldn't let me. So, <laughs> <laughs> but, but now, I did go did the the day day day. to
0: the. Uh
4: they knew those tricks you were trying to
1: fool when you uh, know, trying to get out of spring practice.
4: Oh. I tried that one time too at the University of Kentucky, right? I said I'm gonna go down here to uh uh Ray Don, Ray Roy, Roy Don, and uh I went into the to the, uh uh to the to the room with how would they call them? Uh where they you get the tapes and and, and you see the, the the medical staff down there. And I said, man, I ain't feeling good, right? So they gave, put the Thomas the Mama in my mouth, and I'm laying back on there. And I seen Frank Cursey walk in the room, and he said, I said, oh, shoot, here we go. He said, really, the so my. what did he say? I, hey, get out of there. Get out of here and go out there to practice. And I said, I go out there, and I did it. But once I got out and got, got on the field, came on in, I felt a lot better. But I was trying to get out <laughs> of here. He would let you, that, you, have, you have out of it. You had to have that stitches in your head or something to get out of practice this man. But
1: he was a good man. He really was. Now, when you when we got to Kentucky, uh, you know, playing in the SEC, going up against you know, Tennessee and Alabama's and and all of those guys, was it a big adjustment? You know, going up against those defensive linemen at, at that level, or, or was it a smooth transition for you?
4: Oh, it was no, it it wasn't that difficult. It, it, I think it was. I wouldn't want to say a smooth transition. Like I went up in there and I just kicked everybody's tail all the time. But you know, I mean, I, I kind of got it done once I learned the technique. And and, and those films are so important that you have to watch film and watch their technique and what they're trying to do to keep from doing it. you. Because a guy my size, they were not going to go head up on me. And try to pick me you know and, and shove me back unless they were about the same side, but they, then they try to do something a little different, so and the way we play we play like a veer, you know we we're, we we're them, knock them back and and then we 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 can pick a hole and they'll go you know basically you know back pick that hole, but you know uh it, it was it, the guys were a lot faster, a lot faster, a lot quicker, a lot stronger you know just. Compared compared to you know to high school yeah it, it was and one of my uh, our rivals came to be uh, Mike Butler from Kansas he whooped my butt one day right in Kentucky right we lost to them Kansas yeah, that's when they had that uh, quarterback but he went on the play I can't think his name defensive back for like twelve thirteen years uh, for for the Rams who was a really good quarterback and they played, they but they tore up his knee. But the next year, I said, Oh, I'm going to get this guy back cause we played him in Kansas. I watched him, you know, and I watched film all summer. Got in shape. I said, I'm going to get this guy right. That was my senior year. And both of us were number one draft choices that year. So, I, you know, and I watched what he was doing. He was making that step. So I caught him every time and just, just smashed him. So you have to, you know, watch them film and see what they're doing to you, you know, to, uh, uh, to learn their technique and how they're going to play you. So what they say. That film you watch. That film you watch. That film, and you learn those lessons, man. That's that's what I had to do a lot more of.
1: So, when you got to college, it was more it was more kind of a chess match. Like if you had to adjust to what he was going, if you didn't adjust, he was gonna get you. So you had to you had to play oh, the yeah. ahead of him, right? Yeah,
4: absolutely, absolutely. You know, just like the coaches they say, well, if you go at him head you on, know, he's gonna get you because you're a big strong guy. So what you got to do is fake, and this is so. When he make that step, I take a step with him, but I won't fire out on him. Because if you fire out him, he'll do that leg type block on you, and then he will get around uh-huh. you. So when when you step, he steps in. I can I, I won't take a dive out of him. I I be more under control, and then I can grab him and throw so on. Yeah. So right. You have to watch. Him. Yeah, they they really good at that stuff. It's just like when you when you with when you go from that college to the next level, it's the same thing. They're not gonna
0: uh-huh.
4: a, a a bang there with you because you know they, they their career lasts a lot longer without all that banging. So they're trying to get around you more so than you know doing that head on stuff.
1: Yeah, and I'm gonna I'm gonna get to the NFL in a little bit for sure. But mm-hmm. and pro or college, were you were you better at run blocking or pass blocking, or which one were you best at, and which one did you like going the best?
4: Oh you know, run blocking. That was my thing. That that's where I came from. I was uh, when I was in high school. That's what I was taught. You know, mostly to run block. And because uh, we we won a uh, a state championship uh, like my sophomore year there, and we was rated eighth in the nation. We had a we had a powerhouse. We I think after that year, I mean that year we could have beat anybody. You know, but they didn't play like they play and now. Where you can go around and play your other teams from different in different states and do it like that. But uh, we we really had a great team that year, and uh, power of run run blocking was my thing. But I could I could pass like I never didn't have no problem with that. Yeah,
1: it's but it's better to to deliver the blow instead of them hitting on you, right? It's better to hit them. Right. Oh yeah,
4: yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> 'Cause see, when you hit them, you know, they 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 go back, So And you got to keep them legs moving and pushing them on back. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Yeah, and like you say, when you got a
4: a back like Sonny behind you, that was one of the things I
1: was wondering. Like, I, I know you have to go hard on every play, your maximum effort. But I, I guess what I'm trying to say, Sonny is the type of back that, if you did make a mistake or if you didn't make a hole as big as you were supposed to, Sonny can kind of cover over the mistakes that the line would make, right?
4: Man, please for uh, let me tell you about Sunday. Uh, you, you know, you're gonna miss some buck, but I mean he will fake the guy so hard, you know. And and get around it. I told I, I got to tell I gotta tell you this I tell him this all the time. That the one of the best games I seen Sunday won. We played Mississippi State in Mississippi. They had, they had Jimmy Webb and all those really good team, really good team. Defense, the defense was their main thing. Play was on the other side. I uh, then I hit the guy, and I got past him because, you know, and then I was trying to block downfield, right? Sonny ran downfield by 10, 15 yards. He ran up to this guy, and then I saw him, and so I pushed the guy, and then Sonny just took him about 50 yards downfield. I'm talking about And Then he, another guy was trying to get in front of me. and he was him. I'm talking about we beat they Taylor. That was the – he got like 237 yards, 238 yards in that game. was player of the week. I never. I mean, never. It was so amazing. I'm watching him. I'm supposed to be blocking. That's how good <laughs> that guy was. I'm telling you.
1: I'm
0: supposed to
4: be blocking.
0: I don't
4: want to see where he's going. Oh yeah, absolutely. He. You know, you know. I mean, you give him an a itch, he gonna take that mile. I'm talking about. I, I know. I missed a couple of blocks. He got away and just kept going. Unbelievable. Amazing. Amazing. So that
1: was. That was your favorite memory of him. What is what is your favorite game or memories yourself personally while you were at Kentucky?
4: I would say uh, University of Florida when we played them up there and we my my senior year and it's just that stuff, you know because I, I'm from Florida and we just had to uh-huh. beat them you know, and. Uh, we we uh, oh we didn't have no a a lot of running backs were hurt, and then I think we got started uh, uh sucking the third string running back uh, Joe uhjor <laughs> and I
3: mean
4: man when he when he run run to you man, it's like a brick wall, he just runs over you, and uh, we beat they tail good, you know up there, and he he just was we we, we were killing him, and not that we beat him yeah yet because we beat him, and it was Florida. That was my favorite game, so I'm in. Mean, uh, I don't. I couldn't tell you anything if I did anything different, because that mine is just blocking. And I'm glad they scored a touchdown. But uh, yes. I, my game is just beating Florida and Tennessee. Down in Tennessee, and we beat Florida and Florida. But my last game. The Great Woods. Before we went to the Beach Bowl, sure it is. I can see
1: why that one would be. Be sweet,
4: being that home state oh. school like that. You got
1: to be Oh, yeah, absolutely. Now, I was talking to Sonny, and and he was uh, was talking about, you know, uh, Derek, because, you know, he, he's the one that got me to get Derek on the show, they both came on together. And then he was mentioning getting you on. And then he started talking about Clyde and you okay Clyde to come on and get Clyde and, and I'm like, Who who is Clyde? And he <laughs> says he says <laughs> he said Clyde is, he said, I'm sorry, I apologize. Clyde named for Warren Bryant. So I gotta ask how you got the name Clyde.
4: Oh, uh you're asking me. Is that, uh, you asking me I got the name Clyde? Yeah, yeah, because Sonny was,
1: Sonny was oh. calling
4: me Clyde, and I didn't know who he was talking about. Oh. Talking about <laughs> okay. well, when, well, when I came on campus, when I came on campus as, as, as a freshman, Darrell Bishop was there, and, you know, and I was practicing, man, and I was kind of rolling up a couple of guys out, you know, and he, and he said, man, you you big, big fly, big fly. He was saying one of those big there horses, you know, they <laughs> <laughs> I said, man, I tough, you know. And if you see this bill called Big Clyde, you know, I, I said yeah. that's fine, you know. I roll with that. I, I, if I'm running them over, as long as I'm running them over, But Yeah, John Bishop gave me that name. He sure did. Wow, Jeez.
1: yeah, well, that's that's a that's a good nickname for an old lineman, man.
4: Oh yeah, Big Clyde. That's yeah, Clyde Bill. <laughs> sure did. Uh, that was so funny. <laughs> And I
1: could have but laugh myself, you know. Yeah. Now, once you you leave Kentucky and get ready for the draft, you go in the first round, number six overall pick. Right. Was that your... Was that one of your goals to be a first round pick? Would you even yeah, would your yeah. goal to make the NFL? Period. How? What was your mindset back then?
4: Oh yeah, uh, I, yeah. I want to. I think every person that plays football, you know, high school, college, you know, and, and when they get to that college level, they want to play in the NFL, you know. And uh, so, but when you get closer to that dream, you know, you, you know, you want to say, well, I, I like to go in the first. If, I go in the, if I'm going to, if I'm going the first second, you know, but yeah, I want to go to first. And that it's you know, one you got to keep, you know, pushing there that, that you'll get it. And, uh, and it actually came you know, my dream came to fruition. I prayed about it. And there it is. See, so y'all was the sixth player chosen in the first round. Sure it did. Yeah. And not only
1: you didn't go in the first not only did you go in the first round, you went high in the first yeah. round. So, yeah, sixth
4: yeah. player, yeah.
1: Yeah. Now yep. the yeah. day of the draft the day of the draft the 1977 draft. You know, you're 21, 22 years old. Did you go and attend the draft? Were you there in person to hear your name called, or where, where were
4: you oh, when no. they? Oh uh, no, I, I was. I was at home watching TV. It wasn't. It wasn't like it was back then. It was a little different, you know. they, they had all okay. the running backs and all those guys. That so, but no, but no, I, I didn't go. Okay. But but I did go when. When they, they, they called me, you know, they called my name, and the Falcons called me and I talked with them, I got on they, they said they're private jet, you know, and I flew on over there and I had a blast down here in Atlanta. So you know, when they when they got me they, they they took me out to the to the to the to the stadium and I met the coaches and stuff, stayed in the Marriott, you know, and uh, so it was fun. Yeah. I really had a you know it was, you know, just going out and meeting everybody. I had a really nice time.
1: Were you when you get drafted by the Falcons, being from the South and, and then playing college ball in the South, were you glad to stay in the South as a pro, or did you did not care where you had got drafted?
4: Well, I'm, 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 I didn't matter. It didn't matter where I went. I had it, you know, uh, that wherever our was going to go, we were going to do good things. You know, we were going to play well. We were going to we're going to win games, and we're going to do something different that they haven't done in Atlanta before, and we've done that, too. We we was the, the first as a rookie. We went, uh, all of us in the Hall of Fame, a lot of people don't know this, but after they had a 14-game winning see, uh, year, the last year,
0: uh,
4: we stayed, they, it, the, the, it was the defense where it was scored uh, only like a, a certain amount of points, so that went into the Hall of Fame as a team because we held the ball from the off, from the other teams from scoring. So, you know, and that was the least point scored in the fourteen game season, so they put our whole pitcher in the Hall of Fame. And uh after that we had uh two or two more winning seasons, plus we won the first time in the history of the franchise. We won the uh, 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 the, the division, you know, uh, 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 uh what is it? Like then it was the N F C West. With yeah. with San Francisco, Los Angeles and New Orleans we were all in there before they changed it around. So that's the first time in the history they've done that. We it was the first time that in the history 1980? Done Yeah, nineteen eighty Okay. Yeah, nineteen yeah. And uh, then we you know, we should've oh we should have beat Dallas. We, we we'd be we believe them twenty to three at halftime. And uh, I got to say this yeah, but I think they slowed us up. You know, we they started trying to play conservative. Now we been the team twenty to three at half We we need to pour it on in the second half, so they didn't do it. We lost the game and it just kinda of went downhill from there. Sure
1: well, that is. that's when
4: uh that, that's
1: when you had Bar Mark, Barkowski Mark was the quarterback, right?
4: Yeah, see Markowski, yeah. He he was a good quarterback, you know, and he, we we you know, we had to protect him. And we and that's why he was on you know, that's why we were winning so many games we kept him on his feet. You know, I had to learn how to pass, Fox, so, you know, and, and that's why he was on his <laughs> feet, <laughs> you know. Right. And, uh, we, you know, we were successful at it, you know. We had done something that they haven't done, and, and you know, now you know, they, they, they did it a couple more times, but that was the first time in their history. Right. I mean, that, um, you,
1: all, you all made history, I mean, franchise history, as far as the right. fans are concerned.
4: Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Absolutely.
1: Now, I got to ask, too, you mentioned the Saints in that old NFC West. That Saints and Falcons rivalry has been, you know, kind of intense for years. It's not too far apart. The fan bases hate each other. Was it like that with the Saints back when you were playing, too?
4: Oh, man. I hated the Saints. I mean, I, on the field now, on, on the field, don't get me wrong, just on the field, but I ate in them. Oh, it was it was such a lovely rivalry, you know. Uh, from with the two cities, we'll go to New Orleans. We go there, and we we go out tonight night for the game. But we'll be, you know, we'll go out and eat the shrimp, the barbecue shrimp, and the crabs, and and the oysters, and you know, go back. You know, you we know, we in at a decent time. We didn't do all that foolishness. And then uh, the next day, we go kick their tail in, the, in it all. One one game, it was like. 17 to 13, with with, uh, uh, like 10 seconds left on the the clock, right, in New Orleans. So we did a Hail Mary. It was the first time that they came up. When they threw the ball up the Hail Mary, we threw the ball up to Alfred uh, Alfred Jackson. He scored like a 60-yard touchdown. The stadium got so quiet, you would think nobody was there. It was (laughs) packed. I laughed. I walked around. What y'all gonna say I now? Mean, we were so, we were so pumped up. I mean, you know, cause we could in their home too, man. No time left. the clock, He's going to touchdown. I mean, we <laughs> talking about memories, man. They were so just too out and done. but yeah, <laughs> New Orleans. That was my f- favorite rival, and and then also L.A. I had to play against Jack Youngblood all the time. But wow. And uh, but New Orleans, I loved it, man. And they were. The players, I still, we still talk. We're such good friends. You know, we we a bite and scratch on the field, but after the game, it's over with. You know, we're men, we're right. gentlemen, we have families. We got to move on. You know, you move on to the next game. But, yeah, we hate them. <laughs> they hate us. to, to the game over.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that is awesome. Now, i just mention Jack Jones. I'm, I'm a Cowboys fan. I got kind of quiet when you talk about you beating my like Cowboys at playoff game. But oh. I got to ask, <laughs> I got to ask about, um, I'm, a, I'm too tall, Jones. I assume you have see that left defensive end, just you have to go against him?
4: Yeah, yeah, when we played Dallas, right? And 1-9 uh, yeah. like, in the game, right? I'm going to tell you he got me, though. He got me. So I'm I'm setting back to blocking. But I, I, I reached back and was finna hit him, but I let my hands go too low. Next thing I know, he punched me in the chest. There ain't nothing but feet was up in the air, right? I said, oh, snap!" I ain't, ain't what I said. So I had to. So he coming past me, so I had to get him on the ground. So I just reached out and just kind of cut him with my arms, you know, and, and knocked him down. But, boy, I said, oh, no, that ain't going to happen again because I waited too long. But, you know, they <laughs> didn't get my quarterback, so I had to do anything to do. But uh, uh, what could have won the game for us, that game, and I know Note, I'll tell you this now, we, it, it was like uh, third and third and third and like four or something. And we was at the ball. It was like, uh, like a minute or something. We needed the first down. And we had that that, that uh, uh, fake snap ball, tall, jumped outside, jumped down the line. If Note would have snapped that ball, he think about this. He'll tell you this today. he think about we would have won that game because we would have got first down and ran the clock out. Sure did, and we would have been on to the playoffs. And, yeah, I said sure did, and we. he talks about it that that that's this thing. I I say well we should have beat them anyway the first play, but because they they came back and got a, a touchdown on after that after that that play, but that play kind of sticks in you know. He, he keeps reminding me about. It. I say man, don't worry about it, but I I think about it. That's.
1: Now, he was he was 6'9", so it, it's not often that guys were taller than you. You probably didn't see guys Uh-oh. taller than
4: you often on the field. You've been 6'6". Yeah. yeah, yeah, I'm looking up at him. You know, that's what I'm saying. You know, I'm look, I said, man, you know, sure it did. <laughs> you know, somebody bigger than me. And, I, and at that time, I was like the tallest at that time in the league. Yeah. Sure it was. Yeah. yeah. Sure it was. Well I mean before you I mean after Well you know, I mean everywhere but he was taller than me and I said, Dang,
1: yeah. (laughs) Who were some of the other some of the other defensive ends you remember that 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 stand out in your mind that you had to match up with? Are are defensive ends uh, or outside linebackers that you had to deal with?
4: Outside linebackers, not too many there, most of them were defensive ends. Back then, but well, the new york giants they, they I didn't have to go else she was on the other side, so most of them were really uh, uh they usually play a three four over me uh four three now okay. my first game, my first game right was jack Youngblood. you know they came <laughs> and, and yeah, so you know I'm perennial for all the fame of course, and uh man, so i i yeah i didn't have i think he might have one sack on me before I wore him out that day. When uh, he would rush, yeah, when he would rush, it's a move that he'd do. He'd do that swim move, and when I turn, he'd leave himself up, and I'd punch him in the chest. Bam! Knock him down. And, and everybody would like, ooh, I heard him in the stands. Right so each time he would do that, I'd catch him like that, but I held him three times. I did what I had to do, but we won the game. That's my first game as a Sure was. I, I would hold whatever it takes. But, yeah, he would, he would, he would the guy was so quick, you know, he he wouldn't, he, I said, well, man, why do you keep running around He said, I ain't going to sit up here and let you hit me all the time. <laughs> I wouldn't be able to leave that long, and that's where I got that from. <laughs> but he was uh, he was really a, cra- he had a good craft, and he was a very smart player. You know, he 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 was, his, his techniques and all that was, was down to a point. He would not let you hit him, and uh, he would try to get around you as quick as he can. Sure was. He, he, and, were you, were you uh, nervous
1: that first game? That 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 first game as oh, a rookie, when you knew?
4: A, absolutely you not. Him, no. Were you nervous? No, no, because they were teasing me the whole week, you know. Uh, uh, uh and I then so so I turned to the rod. I said, "Warren the Jack Killer," you know, Jack the giant Killer. That's so what I said. What well, I'm Warren the Jack Killer. So, and after that game. <laughs> They kept kept them all quiet. They had nothing to say. You know, it was all, you know, because that was like the first time they had beat the Rams, you know, especially at home, you know. So we was was off and and, and winning. So that was a good game. I remember that. That's the first one.
1: Did you you check out Jackie Slater? I know he was a good tackle for the Rams. Did you kind of watch him a
4: little bit? Oh yeah, Jack, he man, he played 25, 30 20 years. Yeah, he was. <laughs> I mean, it seemed like he played forever. He he was yeah. such a uh, such a great technician, and, and he knew his craft. He I think he played on the left side, so you know, uh, oh, okay. and, and that's and that's a little difficult too, you know, because if you if you right in and then you play it, on the left side, you know, that's where they try to they started stacking all the better athletes over there. After a little while, on on, on his side, but uh, hey, he had a really nice person, nice Christian man, and I met him uh, outside of football, and he was you know really really humble and very nice person. Yeah, I tell you, I know him very well.
1: Wow, was cool. That is mm-hmm. cool. Uh, uh, Mr. Bryant, I know this summer. Um, you're getting inducted to the Kentucky Pro Football Hall of Fame. That's right around the corner. Uh, what was it like when they called and let you know that that you're gonna be going in as a member of the Kentucky Pro
4: Hall of Fame? I was, honest. I, I was very happy. I mean, you know that they still remember this old guy, you know. And uh, I, you know, I, I looked it up and I said, "Wow," you know, and I, I excited, you know. And the first I, I told my wife. And then I told, you know, uh, uh, my Kentucky mom and dad, you know, Tom and Eleanor Kelly, like I said, I've been knowing them for like over 40 years. And I see them every yeah. year. I go up there, and every uh, time I'm invited to a function like that, you know, in Kentucky, I invite them, you know, because, like I said, when I was, I was you said I was 21. Well, I, no, I was 17 years old when I was in Kentucky. I was one probably oh, one okay. of the youngest. Uh, yeah, to, to ever play. Because I, I just played my freshman year, but I played the second game, and uh, I was at their house. They, you know, after the game, you know, when you get hungry, they'll feed you, and you know that's. I met their family, and they were really nice people, and it's been that way for forty years, and uh, and I and so I called them, and then I asked uh, Ram to come talk for me, you know, and uh, so yeah, I thought my, my daughter's going to be there. My sister-in-law, you know, so I'm very honored uh, and flattered, you know, that, that they thought it was enough of me to put me in there. I appreciate
1: that. Yeah, they got they I'm, gonna gonna man.
4: I'm Uh-oh.
1: <laughs> Looks like uh, June, the, June the 23rd, they got a ring ceremony for you guys at Kingland, uh, the ceremony at the Lakington Opera House on June the 24th. Um, and then it's got you're going in with Council Rudolph, Myron Guyton, Ray Buchanan and Wayne Carter. That is that's that's a
4: good class, man. That's a heck of a oh, class. It, it is, and I remember. I know Council Rudolph. I, I I can't remember. It's been a while, but I remember meeting Ray when I was retired, and he was playing here in Atlanta. I met him and his, his wife at the time uh, at a function at the ESPN. A really nice guy, you know. And uh, so yeah, it's gonna it's, it's it's a great class. It really is.
1: And he played at Kentucky State, right?
4: I, I thought it was Louisville. Oh, maybe so. I thought it was Louisville, Louisville, yeah. Yeah, oh, oh, was it Louisville?
1: Yeah, Louisville. Yeah, he yeah. played Louisville. Huh? The,
4: the other school in Kentucky, right? Any of the other yeah. schools in Kentucky? School. <laughs>
1: oh, I'm sorry. Okay. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. and, of course, uh, mine Guyton went to Eastern and Red Canaan went to Louisville as well. Oh so, yeah, right. It, it, it's cool. They recognize everybody from all the
4: schools in the state, and
1: that. And yeah, that's a good
4: thing. Yeah, kind of that's fun to be. Yeah, because and uh, really uh, be. Oh, and, I mean, I've I've been to some of the other folks that. Well, hell, every time I come up to Kentucky, it's very high class. It's very laid out. It is fabulous. Uh, uh, my wife and my sister-in-law, I mean, you know, I'm about, my wife got to come in, of course, because every time I pack my bag, she's packing her, so there's no question about it. <laughs> <laughs> but her sister-in-law, she comes every year, and she goes,
1: I just love You know,
4: she'd be everywhere. with them. They, Once they come in there, they say they have everything so, I mean, just so nice. I mean, so much, so first class up there. They they do it, they do it very well in Kentucky, no question about it. Well,
1: I mean, you guys, every you, you deserve the recognition, and congratulations for being inducted, and uh, I hope the weekend breaks for you it's coming June. You. you deserve it. Congratulations. You, are you going to be You
0: coming, too? I don't know if I'm
1: going to make it, but I'm, if, if I'm not there, you still deserve it. If I am, I, I'd like to work that out to be there,
0: because I want to oh, okay.
1: come and visit the Hall of Fame anyway. I've never been to the – Pro Hall of Fame, so uh, I need to make a visit there just to check it out and see everything that they have to show.
4: Okay, well, uh, you, let me show you. I don't mind you coming. You can be my guest, you know. So just so we can write a few people, right? But I want to see what it looks like too, because I've never been there. Yeah, it's <laughs> my first it's, time. So, and Kentucky's
1: the only state that has like a Pro Football right. Hall of Fame like this. It's the only state in the That's country right. with a, 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 you know. A, um, institutions set up
4: this way so where you need you. And, and and they should. They should. That's right.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So that and I think it's you'll be the fifteenth or sixteenth class. I was trying to read I up on it,
4: it. I, I, I think it's one, two, three, 4 by the sixth or the seventh seventh, seven, something like
1: that. Okay. I think so. Yeah. So yeah, that's uh, good stuff. And that, like you said, that's right around the corner. Uh, Sonny was talking about a Kentucky Legends Golf Tournament y'all gonna be playing in in May. Now, who's, the, May, better golfer,
4: yeah.
1: who's the better golfer? You or Sonny?
4: Uh, I ain't playing no golf. I ride around in the cart, tell you know, jokes and stuff, you know. But I don't play golf. <laughs> I mean, they I, I already know. I, and I, I'm I probably going to the uh, like they got a little boys and girls club, you know, And I work with kids now, so. But I told them, I, whatever they need me to do, I do. But I. I uh, if I, I dehydrate out there, and have to go uh, pull a car out there and uh, fill me up with water or something.
0: Uh,
4: <laughs> yeah, I just thought that would be too much walking.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and like you said, all the proceeds from the uh, the Hall of Fame induction ceremony and the golf outing, it supports the Salvation Army Boys and Girls Club of the Bluegrass. So that's, that's going for a good cause, too.
4: Right. See, now, that's what I I like.
1: That's me right there all the way. I love that. That's what I do. Yeah. Well, Mr. Bryant, we are so honored and thrilled that you took time out of your busy evening to come on the show with us. Uh, we really appreciate it, and we appreciate you talking about your career, the NFL time, the time at UK, uh, your Hall of Fame ceremony coming up. Uh, we were thrilled to have you on, sir. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us tonight on the show.
4: And thank you for having me. I really appreciate the time that you've given me. Thank you. Yeah, We appreciate
1: it. Yes, sir. Have a good evening, Mr. Bryant, and maybe we'll talk to you, talk to you again sometime.
4: Okay. You too, buddy. Bye-bye.
1: Bye-bye. Mr. Warren Bryant, former U.K. O-lineman, played back there with Sonny Collins, Derek Ramsey, and there was a ton of talent at UK. Six pick in the draft T V. Nineteen seventy seven draft number six overall pick. That I mean that that's all you need to know right there. And then went on to play seven, eight years in the league.
2: Yeah, and it goes back to what we said, uh, there has been a lot of talent that has come through uh Lexington and uh just because we haven't had consistent Team success doesn't mean we haven't had great players that come through. You can you can see that, uh, you know, talking to Mr. Bryant right today. So uh, there is a Kentucky football history. There there definitely is. We have to go a little bit back to to get to it, but uh, you know, there was a time when we had legitimate Heisman Trophy contenders, and that's a, that's something a lot of people don't don't really know about or acknowledge. But that's something that definitely happened.
1: Yeah. Absolutely,
2: and I'm going to
1: get a break to catch our breath here in just a second. I just love how you know him as an offensive lineman. You know, you, you definitely give your all every play. You know your job; you gotta do your assignment to the best of your ability. But I'm sure him and all the other linemen knew who what type of back was back there. So kind of like in basketball. If you gamble for a steal out on the wing and miss, well, you're glad Anthony Davis or New Orleans is back there to erase it. If you happen to miss your block, you know, if you don't get to the second level and get that linebacker, if you don't uh, turn and get proper leverage on the defensive line and cross you, Sonny was able to erase mistake. Well, that was – and that's what he said. <laughs> <laughs> he made their job so much easier by being such an elite running back himself. It was just really cool hearing him speak personally on, on what it was like to block for Sonny Collins. Definitely. Definitely. We're
2: always enlightening.
1: Yeah. Well, man, we'll take us a quick break for a couple of minutes, and we'll get back and, and talk about the point gods, national championship, um, NBA, the Warriors dropped another game. So tons of Kentucky news, tons of BBN news, some Kentucky baseball we're talking about as well. Plenty of stuff coming up in the second hour of the show. Thanks for listening in. Hope you enjoyed our guest, Mr. Warren Bryant. You're listening to Cats Talk Wednesday. Vinny Hardy and Terry Brown on the Brown and Hardy Radio Network on blogtalkradio.com. We'll be right back. Talks Wednesday, Vinnie Hardy and Terry Brown. I think, Terry, you are quite a bit more hoarse than I am. The frog in your throat is bigger than the frog in my throat. Uh, about 55 minutes left of the show, and probably the big UK news would be the punk god. Hollywood uh putting his name in the draft to hire an agent, Um We knew was coming after the year he had this year. So, his stock, you know, sky high. So, now we'll see which team calls his name in the next
2: few weeks and where he ends up uh, in the NBA. Yeah, I mean, and the way the NBA is right now, uh, with a lot of folks going with the, the kind of the spread offense, if you will, that the uh Warriors are having some success with and even uh, uh the Spurs are having some success with it as well. Uh he'll find a spot on the roster. Uh there's there's no doubt in my mind uh a lot of the other kind of shorter guys kind of the the shoot first kind of version but uh Tyler is, is just uh he he's what you want out of a point guard offensively and defensively. Uh, A lot of folks are saying it. I'm not trying to be a a prisoner of the moment, uh, but I have said it, that he's probably the best all-around point guard we've had at Kentucky. And I I know that's saying a lot. I understand that. We've had a lot of guys. uh, We've been blessed to have a lot of players to play really well at that position. But when you look at everything he did and really what he was responsible for, uh, particularly this year, I, I put him my number one. You know, uh, offense, defense. He was a coach on the floor, and Coach Cal has said as much. Uh, it's going to be tough to see him leave. Uh, but that's kind of the way it is. You know, a lot of folks like like to uh remember finally the days where guys were staying three or four years, that's just not the way the world is right now. Um, when you have got a guy that put together a special season like that and his stock is where it is, it it's a it's a gots to go situation. So uh you know, I hate it for us, you know, and I think he would probably rather stay, but you have to look at at the financials and everything and, and, and now's the time to make that decision
1: yeah yeah um I mean you couldn't you'd be hard pressed to to see him you know duplicate the year he's had um, i mean across the board, Playing all those minutes he played to see him make a shoe mistakes that he made um, <clears throat> and especially on a team where the burden, as we all know, was on the backcourt. So that added even more weight with him and Murray being the primary focus game in and game out. It wasn't uh, a consistent post president to alleviate some of the pressure that they had to deal with each and every year and he still had this kind of a season. Uh and like he said today and everybody's been saying it, you know, he's always gonna be five nine. So um Like I said, got to go. Got to strike while the iron is hot. Um, Had two good seasons. From Tyler, he was a pretty, a a doggone good freshman season. But then this year, I mean, he just really took it to another level, another two or three levels, and he did it
2: all season long. Yeah, and uh, also. With Jamal Murray, I was able to go to his press conference on Friday uh, with his dad, and there's a moment. I think I, I tweeted out uh, where he and his dad his dad is talking about, you know, watching him grow and, and, and different things, and they just had this hug. And you forget these are kids. These are kids, and, and they're real people on top of that. And, you know, we can sit back and say, what they're doing is right, what they're doing is wrong, or what have you. But these are people's lives. Uh, You know, Scal, the the freshman who who was really put through the ringer this year, uh, but still uh, managed to, I think, overcome a lot of adversity this year. But off the court, if if people didn't realize, he came from Haiti. And uh, I can't remember who sent out the pictures of of kind of what Haiti looks like today even years after the earthquake and, and if you don't know Skal's story read up on it and he's got the opportunity to be a top 10 pick in the nba he, he's got to go it it's it, it's got to go it, and i don't think people understand some of the situations that some of these players are in you know eric bledsoe was living in a car in high school i mean there's just so many of these stories or these guys have to make these decisions for their families. And I don't begrudge them to do that. I, I really don't. No, you can't. And, it, it, and we can talk about Scowl this. that You know, he knows that that he probably didn't do what he thought he was going to do this year. I, I, I don't think that's a big secret. I don't think it's uh, – uh, everybody saw it. You know, at this point, pointing out that he didn't put up double-doubles you're not pointing out anything new. We we all know it, and the NBA guys know it. But he's still getting that, you know, lottery pick buzz. And you know, my thing is those people know a little bit more than I do, so I'm going to defer to them. And if they say, "Hey, if he comes out, there's a feeling he's a top ten pick," you have to go take that guaranteed money. Um, it, it's just it it's it's one of those things you have to you have to go. <laughs>
1: You know, people that want
2: to be upset and and throw shade,
1: like you said,
0: you know,
1: he didn't play like he thought or we thought he would, you know, based on the accolades coming in. Everybody knows that. But the potential is still there. The NBA is drafting based on that. Um, And we saw him show signs at different times while he was at Kentucky. Um, and he has the potential to continue to be what he and the most protect him to be and probably what he expects of himself to be. And so, you know, a team is gonna invest in him based on that, anybody in his position would do it. You know, anybody that's thrusting at him and pointing fingers at him and 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 making sour remarks would do the same thing if if you know the opportunity was there
2: for them. And and here's but here's the biggest thing I think with Scal is he's going to flourish in the NBA because he'll have another big body. He's not, and we figured this out. He's not. You're in the post, throw it in there, gets the points, kind of guy. <laughs> He he is going to be uh, a stretch four. He's going to be able to, to hit that, that mid-range jump shot, which you look at, you know, a Draymond Green. Uh, of course, Kyle's not that big, but that's a shot that these offenses are creating that he can hit for a big man. We saw his timing. Uh, you know, he had some blocks against LSU, against Florida, uh, against Stony Brook in the first round. So he's got some timing. Uh with a little bit of development and, and people have to remember he hasn't been playing competitive basketball that long kind of behind the curb on that and and once he gets some repetitions uh he might be a late bloomer you know uh, a lot of folks both within and without uh within and 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 out, outside of the big blue nation you know talk about you know ones and dones and the success rate and all that kind of stuff and I saw somebody point out, you know, Daniel Orton. You know, yeah, that's that's one guy, but you look at you look at your John Wall, having a great great career, Eric Bledsoe, even though he's hurt. Uh Brandon Knight. <laughs> even Nerlon's Noel, Archie Goodwin is 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 he an all-star? No. But he's a consistent NBA player, which is pretty good. You know. So uh just because the one and done don't become the next, you know, Michael Jordan, I don't think we should be that negative. Uh, if you make a consistent living in the NBA, you're pretty, you're pretty darn good. You know, I, I look at uh, Nazi Muhammad. I mean, that's a that's a career you want to have. You know, Tayshaun Prince. That's a career you want to have. So if you can get in the NBA and hang around for a while, that's 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 good in its own right. Uh, so me personally. Every person that is put on the blue and white, I give them my support. That's just that's, that's just true. how I roll. Uh I, uh I just can't find myself saying good riddance to somebody who who sacrificed. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I think a lot of people I, I take said, it for granted. I think good riddance is really good,
1: riddance, good, riddance, good riddance. that. I guess he's an exception. I said they're really familiar but after that, I don't. I didn't really say anymore, and haven't really said much. That's
2: just me. Yeah. So those those guys leaving. Uh, you know, I, t- I tip my hat, uh, but especially because Murray and Ulysses, I mean, they for whatever you want to say about this year, uh, the best. The best arguably one of the best. Seasons' best backcourts we've had uh, because they did all the heavy lifting and they played really, really well.
1: Uh, And they were they were keyed on every game. They were keyed on every game.
2: Yeah, and it became no secret that if the if the uh, you know front court gave us anything, we were tough to beat. But uh, again, a a great season uh, for those guys. Uh, you know, a great NCA tournament game uh, with Jenkins hitting that last second three-pointer against Villanova to to, to snatch the uh, the game away from the Tar Heels. You know, t- it was a well-played game, and typically we don't see that. <laughs> you know, for all the hype of kind of the one-and-done championships, when you look at the Super Bowl and the NCAA tournament, a lot of the championship games themselves have not been very memorable. And uh, I think it was the Sporting News tweeted out about how the Final Four games are really mostly forgettable. Uh, My point uh, to Mike DeCourcy was I think the Kentucky games, uh, Final Four games recently, have been pretty darn good. Even though we lost to – Wisconsin last year, that was a fairly decent game. And, of course, Aaron Harrison's heroics in 2014, uh, that was a fantastic game. In 2012, you know, Louisville versus Kentucky in the Final Four. And uh, I forget the time and score, but Louisville tied it in the second half. I don't know if you remember that. And now I had a, one of those oh-no moments, like we can't lose this game. You know, thankfully we didn't. But that was a memorable game. Uh, Maybe 2011 against uh, UConn, that one wasn't the best because that was poor shooting on both sides. Uh, But 1998, that was an overtime game against Stanford that we came within a last-second shot from Pete Sauer, Stanford, of losing. Uh, 1997, uh, the game against Minnesota, uh, I remember it being fairly – Competitive, And, of course, 1996, I think one of the more anticipated games in Final Four history of being a semifinal, Kentucky versus UMass. You know, UMass had run the table since they had beaten Kentucky earlier in the year. Uh, we had run the table almost, you know, instead of, you know, we stumbled against Mississippi State. But that, I remember there was a lot of build-up for that game, and that was a very good game. Uh, Marcus Canby and and Travieso and Padilla, those guys for UMass really played Kentucky well. That was a great game. It was one of those situations, like with the Niners and the Cowboys, you know, the winner of that game was almost the de facto champion. You kind of forgot about what was on the other side. Uh, But for the most part, a lot of those games just don't live up to the hype. But this one one did. As a a bystander, I enjoyed watching it. And... (laughs) If you go back to
1: 93, the Final Four game against Michigan, they moved that game to to 81-78. Jamal Mashburn fouls out, and I still think if he's in the game, Kentucky, Kentucky finds a way to win against the Fab Five. That was the first time Kentucky had been in the Final Four that I think I could really remember, because, you know, know, this is coming off of casino building it back up from, you know, all the Eddie Sutton stuff, and Joby Hall had a Final Four squad. I won, I think, 84. They lost to Georgetown, but I was too little little to remember. I remember seeing the score flash up 53 to 40. Uh, At one point it was 51 to 40, and then Georgetown got another bucket. I don't remember much about the game. I remember vaguely Sam Bowie, and that's about it. I remember Kentucky lost. But the first Final Four, I'm actually, you know, big enough to know what the deal is from a Kentucky (laughs) standpoint would have been 93. Um, A few years later, I start remembering and and watching and knowing it was the national championship. I think 87 is the first title game I remember, Indiana being Syracuse. But 93 is the first Final Four at Kentucky is in, and I'm big enough to, to you know, know what's going on. And are was, was too small to grasp what eight close was about. But that was still a good game too uh, against Michigan. You know, I said, they lost 81 one to You know, three point game, one possession game, and that's with Matt fouling out. And you know, he found out in ninety two against Duke as well. I swear, if we got him in both of those, you know,
2: Kentucky I think went both of those. We'll never know, but. I still believe it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I I feel the same way. But uh, I think the championship game more than made up for the kind of the, the blowout that we had uh, on Saturday. I mean, Oklahoma, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's like they couldn't get back to Norman uh, fast enough. Uh, you know, and, and it happens. You have those nights. Where, where the every, everything just went wrong, and you're just okay. Let's this is not going to work today. We need to we need to regroup and do something else, and that's what happened. And
1: it was just weird, you know. The, the venue there in Houston is notoriously bad for bad shooting. We've already seen that historically. That's that's pretty much a given. So of course. Buddy Hill goes out and drains his first three to kind of say, well, I, you know, I'm not about to have a bad night in here. And then he was cold as ice. And a lot of Oklahoma shot before the game got just really out of hand, they had a lot of shots that rattled around and rolled around and came out. Villanova was having the same thing, and they would roll around and fall in. And I was like, wow, this just keeps happening to Oklahoma. The dude for, I don't know if it was Jenkins or not, or it might have been Josh Hart or somebody, Buddy Hill is guarding him, tough, shot clock's winding down. You can't guard him any better. And I call it one of those Kobe shots where you well defended and you just raise up and drain it anyway. And, you know, dude raised up and just put it you know, right in Buddy Hill's eye. Oh, It was just so many things, like, said Oklahoma where it's just, hey, this, this ain't going to the night for it. And, I mean, at the time the game was over, it looked like a UConn women's court, and nobody saw that coming.
2: No, <clears throat> but to, for my money, Vanderbilt, Vanderb- Vanderb- Villanova looked the best team. They had some solid games going into the Final Four, uh, so I was not on the You know, it was North Carolina to lose, North Carolina's to lose uh, bandwagon. I I thought Villanova was a very solid team, you know, and they had been fighting some demons, you know, not getting past the first weekend for a couple of times since their uh, 0-9 Final Four run. So they had been hearing that, and I know that had to be stoking their fire uh, because now you can put that narrative to bed, uh, very similar to 2012 where we kept hearing you can't win with with all these freshmen, you can't do it. Well, yeah, you can. And, you know, you put that one to bed. So uh, I tip my hat to Villanova. They've now got their second one, uh, second championship. They can they can join that that group of of folks that have multiple championships, and and we can keep North Carolina at bay a little bit, keep yeah, them stuck on fire.
1: Yeah, and both of Villanova's titles have been. I mean, awesome games. The game against uh, Georgetown at Rupp Arena, they shot the lights out. You know, that little team, you know, on paper had no business beating Patrick Ewing, you know, but Ed Genie had just kind of had his number in all their matchups in the Big East. Uh, it was just one of those nights in a good way for Vanderbilt back in 85. Um, you get to Monday, and I was kind of thinking, you know, it was if I'm ranking who I thought would win, one through four, I was going Carolina, Oklahoma, Villanova, and then Syracuse. I gave Syracuse no chance to win at all, and I thought Carolina would end up winning. It looked like it was hard to see anybody beat them. And then you once again, you're playing in this building where it's just hard to shoot, and we've seen this over and over again down there in Houston. And North Carolina is shooting lights out, and this is a North Carolina team that is what the worst three point shoot three point shooting team that they've ever had
2: in a building
1: that is horrible for shooting, and they could hardly miss in the first half well, that's only fitting that they get down here and shoot lights out, you know with a bad shooting team in a bad shooting building and well. You know, Villanova was able to overcome it and hang tough. As, as bad as a mismatch it looked, Villanova never got just smashed or overwhelmed by North Carolina. Uh, they got a little wobbly in the first half, and they were able to get a bucket right before halftime to cut it to five. And, you know, they were scrambling and fighting and clawing and, and, you know, doing what they had to do to stay in the game. And then eventually, you know, of course, they ended up winning the game.
2: Yeah, uh, it's, it's the thing about North Carolina, when you've got a bad team, a bad shooting team, that comes out and hits seven of nine, I think they hit in the first half. I think it was yeah. three. Uh, that's fool's gold because that's not. You know, chances are they're not going to be able to repeat that in the second half, and they didn't. And I think it, it, it's it's a, a double-edged sword. You, of course, you want your team to hit. But I think once North Carolina started hitting all those threes, it changed the way they wanted to attack, and you kind of saw that trickle over into the second half. You know, those shots that were falling in the first half aren't falling now, and you're kind of out of what you want to do uh, offensively. Because even with North Carolina shooting lights out, they were only up by five at at half. And – that's what I, I said some buddies I was watching with. I said that that's a good sign for Villanova. They stayed the course. <laughs> Carolina's not going to be that hot in the second half. You know, Villanova's got a shot. Um, and then that because I uh, I want to say because uh, I think I I got to remember his Twitter handle. comes to me. He's he's a he's a records guy. But this is only. Like the fourth or fifth time someone has come back from a five point or greater deficit to win the championship game. That's well, how kind of these things go. If you lead at the half, you typically win. Um, you know, because I had mentioned the 98 Kentucky team came back from 10 points down at half, which is still the biggest halftime deficit. And you think, well, 10 points isn't really a huge deficit, but in this situation, it really is. And you can see that five points is really kind of – if you had a five-point lead, that, that kind of puts you in a chance to win. So for, for Villanova uh-huh. to, to fight back uh, was tremendous. And, and Carolina answered, and, and that's what you wanted to see uh, out of a championship game. The one thing – and I think this will kind of come up as we in Kentucky have started to ask, why didn't Rick Pitino – put a man on the ball on Grant Hill in 92. I think North Carolina's defense on that last second shot, it looks like they were settling in for overtime. Archie DiNacono got the ball inbounds. Jenkins ran up the court with him, and not one person really got up to him until he's in the act of shooting. He caught it right in rhythm. And, You, you can't do it. Uh, Bryce Johnson was right under the rim. What 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 is What are you doing? Right, there? you You don't want to foul, obviously, but you've got to at least put some token pressure because Villanova just dribbled up and and passed. I mean, it was it was I won't say an easy play to make, but it was as easy as you're going to get in that situation. And like
1: you said, you know, Carolina kind of got out of what they wanted to do there were, you know, several times, we know about other sides and they lit. There were several times where, you know, Bryce Johnson is down there all alone with Archie, Archie, Archie Yakanu on him and he didn't even get the ball. They didn't even throw it in there. Um, and, you know, the mismatch was there and they didn't take advantage. Um, like, said with with Page talking about four four seconds left, we just get a stop and we you know, we can try to win in overtime. Yeah, I mean it, it was, uh, and and I forget who said that Bill over well Bill Nova's all been saying they've run this play before. I think Kyle Lowry said they ran it when he was there. Uh and Bill Nova had ran it earlier in the year in a game. Same play where Jenkins is just trailing, getting in the guy's vision and you pass it off. And so, when you hear that, like I said, you know, North Carolina should have known that that was coming. Uh, Jenkins is a sniper. he he got range. He's going to put it up from anywhere. Uh, and both of those guys are the two best shooters uh, who you want shooting at three. And there they are side by side coming up the court. So, yeah, maybe, maybe poor recognition on the part of North Carolina um, because, you know, it, it like uh, like Mark Jackson Fifth, hand down, man down. Uh, that shot was good and gone before the contest, and, and they got a hand in his face. He got a clean look. Uh, he got a very clean look.
2: Yeah, and uh, that I don't say that to take away from Carolina and the game that they played. It was tremendous. But I just think you got to be a little bit more alert on that, you know, on the game and score. And uh, for the fans to go from an incredible shot to a stomach punch, you know, Kentucky fans, we've been there. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I mean, from the Sean Wood shot to to Christian Leitner's shot, uh, as great as Paige's shot was, in a couple of years, it will be kind of North Carolina only. Uh, the same way Sean yeah. Wood shot gets, gets overlooked. Uh, right. You know, I don't say that to be, to be negative, but that's just the way it is. I mean, if you ask most people about that game, it's going to be, of course, the Leitner shot, which don't get me wrong. Yeah. I mean, it's a tremendous shot, yada, yada, yada. Uh, but I think that that Sean Wood shot before the shot was even, was even greater uh, as far as degree of difficulty and, and uh you know kind of where he was and, and shooting it. Uh but tremendous and that's but that's what you want to see out of teams at this level. Guys making the plays. You'd rather see uh back to back makes than back to back misses determine a game. So just a, a, a tremendous a tremendous game to watch.
1: Yeah, definitely
2: definitely was. And just a
1: handful of days, a handful of months, and we'll be keying it all up again. Um, We're we'll going college basketball to start again. We'll finals and then be a draft to come and go. And if you know, we'll be looking to see what recruits are coming and when they get here and then people Madison. We'll be off and running with we'll college basketball uh, once again. Uh, shifting over to pro basketball, got a new class going into the Hall of Fame, biggest class size-wise ever, and also maybe one of the biggest classes from a personality standpoint as well. we got Jack, Yao, Alex Iverson. I mean, that is, is marquee big-time names yeah. that that are going
2: in um, to Springfield, Massachusetts this couple of summers. Yeah, I think Alan Hiverson, his his story is kind of, uh, you know, there's been a, a you know great thirty for thirty on it. There was a, a great documentary uh, the Showtime had on Hiverson and what he overcame and to kind of get where he was. And um, I think my memory of Iverson is pretty much in the way the world is today. He was probably the most real. Uh, right or wrong, he was the most real star that we had. You know, he didn't really polish himself up uh, to get the endorsements and everything uh, like that. But, uh, I mean, he got them anyway, but he really didn't – he kind of beat to his own drum, again, rightly or wrongly. Uh, When you start talking pound for pound NBA players for a, you know, six foot, six one if you want to go there, Player to to dominate like he did. Uh, that's just that's just tremendous. And when you look at that uh, Philadelphia team, he took to the finals in '01 against the Lakers. Um, I mean, just just superhuman. Just the way that that he was able to get in the lane and, and finish and and do everything. I know uh, his off the court stuff uh, became an issue. Uh, but just a tremendous uh, force of nature player. You know, Shaq is going in. Obviously, uh, what he brought to the game, uh, you know, you could pretty much say he's the last of the great centers. (laughs) You know, I think a lot of the kids younger than us kind of remember Shaq, you know, from the Miami Heat days. But if you remember Orlando Magic Shack, you had to think to yourself, there's no way a man that size can be that quick and and yeah. that fast. And, and he was. Oh. And uh, there was that that three-year window with the Lakers where he was at his peak.
4: And it was like
2: you couldn't do anything. There wasn't a, a defense for him. Uh my dad used to say, when he stops making all these rap, all this rap music and all these movies, he, he's going to be pretty good, and that's what ended up happening. In <laughs> and, and, and Shaq, <laughs> uh, and, he, and he always looked like he was having fun out there. Uh, and your man Yao Ming, I know some people say because his career was a little short in the NBA. But you can't underestimate, number one, he was a fantastic basketball player. That's number one. But number two, bringing the NBA to the Far East, that's an impact as well. Uh, For him to be able to do what he did with the weight of a billion-plus Chinese on his shoulders is also tremendous. Uh, There's a great documentary I've, I've seen about Yao Ming and, the build-up to his first time, uh, you know, his first season with the Rockets, and just yeah. what the what what the Chinese people, you know, they were getting up in the middle of the night to watch him play, and yeah. just yeah. those things you don't think about. But and on top of that, these guys are still they're still human too. They're still people too. So uh, a great class uh, going in. <laughs>
1: yeah, and- and Yao was an eight-time All Star. I, I mean, that kind of sneaks up on you. For as brief as his career seemed, I mean, he was almost an All Star for a decade. And you know, given projecting full health, you know, he he racked up All Star games and and all the the big numbers like everybody else. But the uh, and he had a big personality too. But before you more than you would think. We know what Shaq is and how funny he is, and, you know the rap videos, the movies, uh, and um, you have had a lot of funny commercials as, soon as he came. You know, and they started market him on him over here in the states, uh, and all the hype surrounding that first game, the Lakers-Rockets, uh, and like you said, you know, all the China was up, you know, in the restaurants, in the pub, at home to watch. It. Um, So the impact that he brought, like you said, bridging the game and making it global, um, and then you talk Tom Izzo, you know, what he's done as a coach, won a national championship, consistently got Michigan State. Deep in the tournament, more often than not, didn't happen for him this year. Cheryl Swoops is going in, and you and I are both old enough to remember uh, what she did. In the women's game, we're both a little too young for Cheryl Miller, but Cheryl Swoops took the Texas Tech to the national championship, and they won it. She dropped like 41 or 46 or something in the title game. Had her own shoe, had the air Swoops. Uh, and then, of course, she went on in the WNBA, and I was a comic fan. And so they won the first four WNBA championships. Uh, with herself and Cynthia Cooper and Tina Thompson and the squad they had down there in Houston. Another, I mean, see the big time as it gets from the women's game. A lot of people, than us, think Lisa Leslie, um, Candace Parker, uh, and now everybody's kind of waiting to see, you know, what some of these other UConn girls are going to do. Maya Moore uh, and all these younger ones, but Cheryl swoops. I mean, what she did. For the women's the game collegiately, professionally, uh, internationally, uh, on the Olympic teams as well, uh, is a deserving inductee. Um, Jay Ronsdorf, <laughs> like him, hate him, or whatever. He, you know his role with uh, a lot of Chicago sports, not just the Bulls, but you know the White Sox, Blackhawks, all that. Uh, he's going in as an owner. Dale uh, Garrison is an old school ref from back in the day that we. We saw him on the court. We might not have known who he was, per se, but we watched a lot of NBA games where he was the ref. But this class is loaded, uh, and congrats
2: to all of them for
1: being inducted.
2: Oh, definitely. Uh, you know, anytime you get your list together for folks going to the Hall of Fame, they're, they're all going to be worthy. And it, uh, the one thing I like about uh basketball is that it's the basketball hall of fame. Wow. It it's not just uh pro football or, or it's 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 basketball so you see people where you've got, hey look, it's Allen Iverson going in uh, uh with Tom Izzo, you know, going in with Jerry Rice. There's there's a there's a mix. And uh that's one thing I do like about the basketball hall of fame is that it's for all of basketball. It's not exclusionary or specific to just one uh, particular group.
1: Yeah, not just one branch of, of basketball. Um, you got legends that play internationally that never made to the NBA, but they still get in uh, and deserve So um, one thing, man, with <laughs> us being Kentuckians, us being a little more than a month away from the derby, I meant to mention it last week when it first made news, but Calvin Burrell is retiring. Won three derbies in four years. Uh, famous for riding on the rail, taking an inside track, no matter how high risk or dangerous it can be. Um, but one, you know, a those races. I think thousands of races. But he's calling it a career. Uh, been a jockey for 33 years. Uh, probably, I mean, maybe the most famous jockey I know. I remember Pat Day and some of these other guys. But, you know, his personality, you know, uh, Cajun from Louisiana. I remember him being like on Leno or Letterman or something like that after one of his wins. And just, you know, the whole country kind of got to know him. But he has he called it a career. And just had to mention that, especially with uh, as much over the ride to a few games from his time at Churchill Downs uh, in our state. Oh. Congratulations to him on a great career. And were you at any of the derbies that he happened to win? I know you've been to a derby. I know I haven't been yet. Were
2: you at any of the derbies when he was the winning docket? No, I haven't, I haven't been to the derby for a while. Uh, but, yeah, he was a great uh, sports quote. Uh, yeah you know on t v in print he was uh, uh definitely a character in a in a sport really full of characters uh i mm-hmm. think that's one of those things about horse racing is uh because the horses themselves don't have extended careers uh you know you only get the one shot at the derby uh the owners the the trainers and the the jockeys really become the 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 faces of the sport, if you will, and and just his kind of down-home charm, if you will, really endeared him to a lot of folks uh, because it wasn't until the later part of his career that he was able to get that Derby magic and to win three out of four, you know, toward the tail end of his career is, is really quite uh, remarkable. So definitely yeah. uh, uh, the rate horse racing is going to be different now that he's uh, moved on. Yeah,
1: yeah for sure. Um, last night Carl Towns and the Minnesota Cheap Wolves give Building the State their ninth loss of the season. They're sixty eight and nine now, five games left. In order to break seventy two and ten, they will have to run the table now. They still got two games left against San Antonio. Um Minnesota played themselves earlier in the season at Minnesota, and so you know, when I was going to bed, Golden State had to leave. Uh, Get up this morning and saw overtime, a little update on the phone, overtime, and then saw where Minnesota ended up pulling them off, pulling off the wind out there in Golden State. So, this is the second one recently they've dropped. You know, Boston won a few days ago out there in a hard-fought game, and then Minnesota's able to go out there and win as well.
2: A a couple of things about that. Number one, it's almost to the point where I can't watch Minnesota play because when I see Carl Anthony Towns out there doing
4: remarkable
2: things, it makes me sad for last year's team. Let me get that out of the way first. But number two (laughs) – Uh, there's a couple instances where he was playing some pretty darn good defense on Steph Curry. Uh, I retweeted a sequence out there. uh, But as we saw at the NBA All-Star Weekend during the skills competition, and as we know as Kentucky fans, uh, Towns is not your typical uh, big man. He's pretty athletic and and quick on his feet. So there's that. Also, there's a – when you talk about these all-time records, like with the Patriots going for eighteen and zero, and and trying to catch the Bulls, those are hard. They're hard things to do. Uh, not saying impossible, but very, very difficult. The thing about the Warriors breaking the record is they could very well win seventy-one games, and some people would consider that a disappointment. and over the course of an 82-game season is ridiculous. And for my money, the only reason the Bulls got really that close to that was Jordan came back. They lost to uh, the Orlando Magic in the 95 playoffs, and he looked human. And Jordan came back with a – he's a man on a mission, and he wouldn't let the Bulls let up at all. And when we talk about the NBA season, the the Major League Baseball season, is can you be that kind of intense over the course of the season? Because you're going to have some mental letdowns at a time or two. And it just so happens that right now the Warriors has kind of hit that mental wall. <clears throat> you know, I think once they decided they were going for the record, and not resting, you know, the way uh the Spurs do. Uh, I think it's just it's a it's a mental thing. You know, whether or not they make it, you say they got two games against the Spurs left, you know, I don't know, but even winning sixty nine games in a season, it's still remarkable. I mean it's still rarefied air. Um yeah. but as we're seeing, chasing when you're chasing history, it's not that easy. It 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 really isn't.
1: And I forget who was saying it. One of the analysts on ESPN said that, excuse me, the 72-10 Bulls kind of stumbled towards the end of the regular season, which caused them to end up losing 10 games. You know, I don't know what they were. You know, say they say were 6-7 six, six or whatever. And, and then, oh, my goodness, they dropped a couple. And now the same thing is kind of happening to Golden State. When it didn't look like it was going to happen, and like I said, now they're kind of hitting the same little turbulence, if you will, in the regular season. I'm not saying they won't, won't regroup it and, and still, you know, make it to the finals and win the finals or whatever. So they're hitting that same kind of little rough spot at the end. That even affects Jordan. In full, come back with a vengeance vote, it still happens to them as well. Because, I mean, like you said, it's just, it's hard to sustain that for such a long time. And still, you know, in the back of your mind, you have to peak for the playoffs when you just went on the heck of a grind
2: winning 90% of your regular season games. Yeah, and, 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 and Golden State, I understand, they kind of came out focused this year because a lot of people saying, you know, last year's championship was a fluke or whatnot. So I understand they came back into this season with a chip on their shoulder. Uh, with 82 games, it's a long season. And, and they know there's things they have to get right uh, with the playoffs right around the corner. So whether they do or they don't make it, you know, I don't I don't know. I, uh, you know, last week I kind of thought they would, but it, yeah. But it, do or they don't, I, I think the strangest thing is they still haven't locked up the number one seed for the playoffs. <laughs> it, it, yeah. As good as they've been, the Spurs are right there, and uh-huh. those two games coming up with those two teams playing, it, it for my it really depends on how. Popovich is going to play. You know, he sits his guys exactly. for a little bit, so I don't know if he'll sit a couple of guys for one game and sit some for the other. You, you don't know what kind of mind tricks he's going to play, or if he'll slide <laughs> and, and try to play one all out. You, you don't know, and uh, so that's going to be interesting. He's always playing those kind of mind games.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's for sure, um, and. For those, if we go a little bit past eight o'clock, it'll all be up on the podcast as soon as the show is over. With um, switching over to Kentucky baseball, got to give them a little bit of love. They are playing Louisville right now, um, barring any upsetting weather. I have not pulled up Twitter or Flip. I think it's on the SEC Network, but they are twenty. 20- and eight going into this game, six and three in the SEC, and of course, that's where you can really make it. Hey, you get those weekend free game SEC series, you know, Friday, Saturday, Sunday series, and you know you want to win those series. You want to win, you want to win if you can. And Kentucky's been able to do that against Georgia, number one ranked Florida, and then. Last weekend against Tennessee, uh, Florida is seven and two in the SEC play. The only two losses they've got have come from Kentucky. They are beating everybody else they played in the conference. They swept their other two series, with one and two against UK. Uh, the funny thing: Kentucky has lost the opening game in each of the SEC series and then come back and won the series. I wrote a piece for KevinMissRadio.com about how they've been resilient uh, in the fact that they drop each game. In some cases, that got smacked in the opening game of the series, and they win the Saturday game, even up, and then close things out on Sunday game and win the series. I'll take responsibility for the game Friday against Tennessee. I was down there. We went and watched them play Friday, Friday, uh, I wasn't at the Georgia game or the Florida game with no series openers, but I'll take responsibility for a lot of this Kentucky-Tennessee stuff. Went down for the basketball game, up 21, we lost. So, I mean, if I'm some kind of jinx, maybe I am. If you don't blame me, that's fine. We were there the, Friday watching the baseball game, and, I mean, it was just one of those where, you know, nothing, you couldn't get anything going on either side of the ball. Um. Hitting, they didn't get their first hit, I think, until the fifth inning. Um, and, and pitching, Tennessee had a guy hit for the cycle. I mean, they couldn't get him out. The ball looked like a beach ball. He was you know, single double. I think he needed a triple to get the cycle. He steps up, gets a triple. So, Kentucky was down nine to nothing before they could really even blink, before they could even really Get their legs under them and say, "Okay, we're down here in Knoxville." You look up and it's nine to nothing. Uh, they rallied and got five, like the seventh inning. And so you thought, "Okay, here we go." They're gonna try to close the gap a little bit. In the next inning, Tennessee gets those five runs back, and they're right back up by nine runs. Uh, but Kentucky rebounded Saturday and morning and the same thing on Sunday. Um, two players got to get love. The whole team's playing good, but Gunnar go McNeil has set a. School record with a 23-game hit streak. He's batting 384 right now. He's got five home runs, 33 RBIs, and on the pitching side, Dustin Beggs is seven and zero. First pitcher in school history to start out winning his first seven starts. But Coach Henderson has got him playing some good ball. Of course, the global game is huge tonight. Kentucky Louisville is huge in any sport, but this is a meaty game that's definitely want to win. We talked last week. Uh, they lost to Northern Kentucky. Uh, they dropped a couple games to some teams they should have beaten. So you, you just want the Louisville game so bad you can't stand it. And you know you beat them tonight, and then that just gives you a lot of momentum heading into the weekend series at home in Lexington
2: against Alabama. And actually, tonight's game has been postponed. Okay. Thank you and for the weather. I was, move, to,
1: move to next Wednesday. Okay, okay. I did not have a. I'm set up not in front of a TV and hadn't pulled it up. So, okay. So, the uh, robbery game with the car next Wednesday. And it was going to be great for those who were in Lexington had the weather cooperated. You had the UK softball team playing a little at 530, and then UK baseball team would be hosting a at 7.30, and that would have been a heck of a double hitter to, to, mean to just pop in and hit both flow them, Cats, Cards, softball, Cats, Cards, baseball. That would have been a great way to spend the evening had the clouds wanted it to happen, but obviously, you know, the weather had other plans.
2: Yeah, definitely want to make sure because it's more than
1: just basketball.
2: Yeah.
1: yeah absolutely. Um Kentucky's ranked number thirteen in baseball in the latest poll. Uh, Louisville's ranked number four. So you got you know two top fifteen teams going at it, um, but it's gonna be just as fun next Wednesday uh, when they were to playing today. Look forward to it. We will be talking about it again um, a week from tonight. Um, my Atlanta Braves open the season where they lost Monday to the hated Washington Nationals. Um, your Orioles, I'm not sure what they're doing, um, but it's very, very early in the season. I mean, just not starting. Uh, we'll have to check in on that from time to time as well. We'll see what Baltimore was doing real fast. Uh, looks like they're tied 3-3 three to three with Minnesota with the Twins right now. Um, let's see what your boys do. Um, see if they can get themselves a win.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, Scotty Kuzma said that the Bulls would sweep the Warriors if the the '90s Bulls were to play them. I mean, we we always have guys coming out and saying stuff, uh, and this time it was Pip. You know, he said that he would probably get assignment to play Stephen Curry, and he would probably hold him to under twenty points.
2: Well, here, here's the thing. And we talked about this, I think, before with Oscar Robertson and, and those guys. Yeah. Um, I think what we do is uh, it, it, number one, it's hard to compare from different eras. But let's just say that. That's number one. Number two, those bulls, and, and I honestly think that the 92 93. Those bulls were a little bit better with a younger Jordan, Pippen, and and everything. But Jordan and Pippen weren't just great defenders. They were elite defenders, historically elite, on top of their offensive prowess. I don't know if they would shut Curry and and Thompson down. I know they would make it hard for them. And then when you look at the rotation guys like Ron Harper, uh, you know, Dennis Rodman, for all his craziness, he he could play defense, he could play ball, he could rebound. Uh I would favor uh I, I mean, I would favor the Bulls. That's just that's just my opinion. Again, it's 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 crazy. My only thing is you know, we make fun of, of Mercury Morris when he comes out and pops the champagne <laughs> when uh NFL team loses. If you've got a Scottie Pippen who was okay, if he was Rodman, he was Rodman to Michael Jordan, so it's not like he was or about he was Robin uh to Michael Jordan's yeah. Batman, which ain't a bad gig, who's been through six uh championships. And if you ask him would your team win? He's going to say yes. I've yet to honestly hear an athlete or anybody say, yeah, you know what? Yeah, these guys would beat us. They're not going to say that. Nobody's going to say that. I mean, that's – that's and, and calling them old and, and, and bitter, I, I don't get that from Pippen. Uh in this context, because what does he have to be bitter about? He's, he was on these iconic Bulls teams. He was on the Dream Team, which everybody around the universe knows was the best collection of talent ever. He's on. What does he have to be bitter about? Nothing. If somebody asks you if your team could beat whatever, you're going to say yes. That's the way this works. <clears throat> you know, if we got a bunch of uh, Kentucky players together and we said, okay, Anthony Davis, it's the 2012 team versus the 96 team. Who wins? He says 2012. <laughs> Tony Duck's going to say 96. And then our good friend of the show, Cameron, going to say, hey, what about 98? That's the way it works. You pick <laughs> your team – I mean, so to bash – Scotty Pippen in this context Now he said some stuff that's out there But saying that they would beat him No, I mean Yes, that, that's what you want him to say I, I just don't understand the, the, the furor About that
1: Yeah, that's That's a good point um, A lot of it would depend on Which rules you're playing by If you're playing by the 90s rules Then where they, I mean, you know, The hand checking And stuff we grew up with uh, that would definitely make it a lot more difficult for the Splash Brothers. Playing by today's rules, I don't know. We'll see. Where there's a little more freedom of movement, it's not so much clutching and grabbing and, and I don't know physicality, if you will. Uh, well, well, I mean that would that would and, kind of play a role
2: too. And on the flip side, you got to think these guys have got to try to guard Michael Jordan without putting their hands on him. Are you serious? <laughs> At his peak, Michael Jordan, people forget that when Jordan was at his physical peak, he was getting beat up on by the uh, Pistons when he was still high-flying. If he was high-flying today with the lack of contact, are you kidding me? I mean, but it's hard to compare errors. I understand that. But uh, I don't blame Pippen for saying what he said. Everybody's going to say that. I mean, that's. I would be surprised if, if he said, You know what, I don't think we could I don't think we could take 'em. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh I just don't see that being an issue.
1: Right, right. But it always gets <clears throat> talking points for sure. It always gets people buzzing. But yeah. You're probably right, it's not an issue, uh, as much as everybody <laughs> wants to to think that it is. Um we got the first match is coming up without Hiker. Um, not able to, to physically be able to play. Um, I would just kind of peep at it anyway just to see what he was doing when he was there. Now it's the Jordan C Roy McElroy, Ricky Fowler. Now they are asking those three guys for the field. I'll probably do like I normally do, just kind of see who's leading on Sunday, leading in the sports center, and see who wins.
4: But uh,
1: just weird not even seeing Tiger be able to get
2: himself ready to play. And uh, is, has there been a, a, a bigger kind of fall from grace? Not the off the, the core stuff, but just – I mean, it was just a, a just like a, a drop. It wasn't <laughs> where he wasn't able to close on. I mean, it was just a drop in his play that just, just, it's just, uh it's just amazing that that he dropped off like that. And it's definitely hard to, uh, you know, watch these majors without him. I mean, he, we kind of grew up with Tiger and, and now he's kind of moved on. It's, Um, But it happens It's one of those things, it happens
1: Yeah yeah. We're not big into recruiting But switching to Kentucky football uh, They have a quarterback committed Named Mac Jones For the 2017 class He was committed Before Shannon Dawson was let go So he was kind of Wondering who they would hire Of course they ended up hiring Eddie Grant And Darren Henshaw as offensive coordinator and quarterback coach, and so he was able to come and watch some of the practices. And according to the story by Ben Roberts of uh, the Lakeland Herald Leader, he says that that Mac Jones uh, saw the new offense and is love at first sight, and he doesn't even have plans on trying to visit a lot of other schools. And of course, the new coach is trying to re-recruiting him as well. So that's positive to hear that he liked the offense. That plan in next year. Um these are some good coaches. Eddie Grant's been around the SEC for a long time. Um I uh, they can get the maximum potential out of the talent that Kentucky has there, especially for the receivers. Um Drew Barker is young. Hopefully they can, you know, coach him up. And we're we're both still in wait and see. You have to show us those but uh, good to see that this commitment isn't like decommitting because of seeing a bunch of crap in spring practice. It's good that he's kind of pumped up and positive about what he saw. So I'm just taking one of the positive I can get. Whatever positive there
2: is, I'm going to take it. Definitely. I, I think that uh, uh, any positive news out of football program is, is more than welcome at this point.
1: Yeah, absolutely. My Rockets are playing the Mavericks tonight. Houston has played themselves right now, outside the playoffs looking in. They're fighting with the Jazz and the Mavericks and it's all that 3-10-2 spot kind of deal. Huge game against the Mavericks tonight. Um, the uh, the voice of the Rockets, Craig Ackerman, just tweeted out, you know, the postseason has already started. Um, and he's right. You know, if you can beat Dallas tonight and, and put a huge – blow into their playoff chances and, and help yourself, I'm all for it.
3: You know, if I had
1: to pick a team I don't like in the division the most, it's the Maverick. So hopefully, you know, that Houston can say, well, they're not going to be consistent. They haven't been all year. Hopefully, they can string together a night game tonight against the Mavericks and uh, finish the season with the eight spots. Take your chances with the Warriors or Spurs if you can get an eight or seven spot. See what happens. But a big game, nonetheless, against the Hated Mavericks. Appreciate you hopping on our horse and sword throwers <clears throat> and calling Mr. Bryant. I uh, of the show, we're trying to get him to come on. Definitely appreciate Warren Bryant coming on with us. Another cool dude from that era, but Sonny and Derek. Uh was great to talk to, fun stories. Uh, real talk about his time at UK and his time in the NFL playing against legends. Your first game at right tackle in the NFL, you're going to get Jack Youngblood going up against my Cowboys. He's blocking two tall Jones. It's one of the first Cowboys I remember just because he was six nine. You know, My dad been a Cowboys fan and here Warren Bryant from the University of Kentucky going up against him and battling him, you know, on a play-in-and-play-out basis going up against those guys and all those teams for the Saints and the Rams. And your 49ers, because he was out there in the NFC West having to play them twice a year. So a lot of fun having him on. Congratulations to him being inducted in the Kentucky Pro Football Hall of Fame. Uh, He came on and carried the show, and we kind of was able to rest our vocal cords while we were able to listen to Mr. Bryant, too. Exactly, another
2: another great show, Vinny
1: Well, man, have a good evening We look forward to having another show Next Wednesday, we talking cats and cars again And we'll be looking forward to Kentucky and Louisville, uh On the baseball dominant So for my man, Terry TV 2.0 Brown This is Vinny Hardy Thanks for listening to Cats Talk Wednesday On the Brown and Hardy Radio Network com. We'll see y'all next Wednesday
0: Have a good evening everybody I want you to try.